I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Oh! Welcome to the show. No football club is ever successful without handball. Hjertelig velkommen til fotballklubben, episode... Episode nummer 81. Der kom krempingen min ganske hardt i gang. For å, for å starte sendingen. Der, kom, der våkner folk. Ja, 81. Ja. Fordi forrige år det 80B. 80B, stemmer det, stemmer det. 81A denne gangen. Mm. Um, I tilfelle noe går gærent. Ja, vi har alltid åpningen... Vi lägger in en liten möjlighet för den och vi vet att ting går alltid som det ska. Ja, förra så så fick vi melding från fyr, fyr som var skikligt sur på mm. på Twitter och för har inte och för sluta med gästra. och så försökte vi förklara att det har varit sommarferie och allt i mellan här har varit sån bonuspodcaster mm. och att nu kom den jättepodcast där med Jon Espö, Erik Torstvedt, mm. eh, Tor Kristian Karlsson. Det er jo det jo, den forsvunnende podcasten ja. eh, Men greit da, da skal vi kjøre gjest Og vi har ikke engang bedt om spørsmål på Twitter Fordi her er det en historie som er så vill at vi trenger ikke spørsmål Nej, det er så mye å spørre om eh, Rett og slett Vi, vi har en tysker eh, som er på vår alder mm. I tidlig 40-årene Som eh, er den eneste fyren som har vært profesjonell fotballspiller På samtlige kontinent ja. Lutz Fannstil Lutz Fannstil, welcome Thank you <laughs> Just can just start uh, start off with how how many continents have you played uh, football? Well, apparently there is only five continents uh, when it comes to the <laughs> geographics, but in football we have six. Yeah. So I did play on all uh, six FIFA continents, which till today I'm still the only one. Maybe one day it gets broken, but I think I will be dead by then. You yeah. will always be the first. Yeah, but I want to be the last. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I really know there is like I have another kind of record which was like 25 clubs yeah. but Sebastian Abreu the, the, the Uruguayan <laughs> guy yeah. I think he did nothing else the last two years than chasing clubs <laughs> to beat me yeah. now he finally got his 25th club somewhere in the south of Chile <laughs> nobody ever was there <laughs> and uh, I think you know he's, he's, he's celebrating now and uh, funny enough last week I broke another world record which I never knew they did a statistics in America the football professionals who had the most kilometers in moving and I, <laughs> okay. I beat the shit out of everybody. <laughs> I had like something like 143,900 kilometers and I was like over 100,000 in front of the second one. <laughs> so uh, people will always find some new world records. Yep. So I, I know I think my life will be very sweet in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you have a lot of uh, other world records as well. 
as you don't know of well I don't know them but they always will find something yeah. so uh, <laughs> maybe the most uh, exotic animals or uh, there's, there's, there's certain things you can find yeah. but uh, I was actually a little bit shocked when I saw the, the kilometers I did in moving yeah. because I don't know how exactly they calculated it but they did it quite good I think because it was a serious company and so it was like if you moved from uh, Bærum to uh, Asa Milan you had to it was like the distance exactly between, yeah. so they used I, they used it with kilometers by street but there was another one with plane so they, they, they found some ways <laughs> okay. and because of my constant moving especially between New Zealand and the States or New Zealand and Norway right. uh, it, it was quite a lot of air miles I would say yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also uh, you uh, voted the most handsome uh, pundit on German television in 2010. World Cup. Yeah, but uh, it was not very difficult. No. Right? I mean, uh, Günther Netzer, I think uh, uh, you saw him before. He's, he's not the youngest anymore. Mehmet Joel, well, yeah. some people think he's cute, but uh, <laughs> I don't agree. And Oliver Kahn. Yeah, you should uh, beat him. You, know, you I, should I always just, beat I Oliver I think Kahn. I beat him by an inch. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we're going to talk about your career in, in uh, a short while, but first... What's your job today? What are you doing? Yeah, since the last time we spoke, uh, you know, again, lots of things are changing now. Well, put it this way. I always was known for moving every six months, every year. Now I'm actually very proud that in seven years, I mean, I say it again, seven years I'm at Hoffenheim. Uh, started off there as the Chief Scout, International Chief Scout. Uh, now my role has changed a little bit. Um, it's called... Uh, Head of International Relations and Scouting, but uh, I'm not really that much in scouting anymore. I'm together with uh, Alexander Rosen, our sports director, uh, supporting him at transfers, selling players, taking players in, and um, also have all the connections to the international clubs, organizing friendly games, organizing the trainings camp, uh, and uh, well, being basically very active on the tra- on the on the transfer market. So, if uh, Hoffenheim sells one of their players, you're the one doing it. Yeah, I mean, you know, normal thing that we're discussing uh, together with the coach and with the with with, with Alex. Uh, <laughs> you, the, the, you, don't, you don't go in and just sell someone. No, no, no. no. <laughs> they will, and then, uh, well, I get the normal kind of like uh, like in a way not a list, but you can say like the the guys which are for sale, mm. and mm. then uh, in cooperation with the agent of the player as well as with uh, other clubs. I know we're trying to find uh, selling sounds. You know, it sounds like you you're selling a piece of meat or a cake. It's it's not the way yeah. I see it. Very human, and I think it's. I always say to find a solution mm. for a player, which maybe moving on is the is the best thing to do. Uh, we had like uh, the situation, for example, with Tariq Elunusi, which mm. in no way everybody knows, and. Uh, you know, I worked very well together with his agent and with him to find uh, the solution in Olympiakos. And I think uh, for Tariq to go from Hoffenheim to Olympiakos, it was definitely not uh, not a bad deal. No. Because it's... Uh, it's it, worked out. Yeah, it's it's not just a good club, but the atmosphere to play in that stadium every weekend, you know, it gives you just goosebumps. So it's a bit different than Fredrikstad. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but very, but cl- very close, actually. Fredrikstad, Olympiakos. But how do you start when you say you have Tariq and uh, not really happy at Hoffenheim? Do you, do, you sort of, do you ask him where he wants to go or do you sort of... Uh, picture clubs that might be uh, interested? In well, it's more like observing the market. I mean, who needs what? You know, I mean, obviously, uh, I know lots of managers, coaches all over the world. So you first talk to your direct contacts. And uh, if the if Olympiakos doesn't look for that kind of position or that kind of player, then it's no point even if you know 
everybody there. So it needs mm. to fit. So it is like sometimes you have to have a long breath and, and you really need to just be uh, very awake to see what's happening. Somebody getting injured, is a coach changed, lots of like little bits and pieces. And then, um, yeah, I mean, then we always try. I, I think that is one of the things in Hoffenheim that we really work, you know, it's a small town. We work a little bit like a family. Mm. Also, the relationship we had with the players, also with Tariq, was always very, very good. Uh, even when there was some, some time when he was injured or when he didn't play, there was still uh, never any, any bad feelings. And then, of course, you feel also happy as a club mm. if you can support the player with his agent to find a solution where he's happy. Uh, we are not trying to, to, to offload players to clubs where they don't want to go. So there is not... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm a nice guy. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yes, so, so you can imagine. So, so, so is the rest of the club. So that's okay. the way we're trying to to work it out. Okay. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's not like in the NHL where a player can show up for for work and get the message that oh, you are leaving New York, you are going to play in in Seattle. Well, that was done to me Toronto. all of my life. You know, <laughs> I was actually I was actually pushed around like a shoebox, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I enjoyed it that way. <laughs> Um, you but, like being uh, but I think in the Bundesliga, um, there is like the, I think it's responsibility for a club to handle that kind of transfer matters very serious and very clean. And also the, 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 the players, I mean, by now they're having, and the agents, they have enough, uh, enough knowledge and enough, uh, I would say, uh, background to decide for themselves if this is what they want to do or not want to do. In the end of the day, regardless if Hoffenheim or Bayern Munich or Dortmund players have contracts and the club in Germany as well as in Norway most of the clubs I guess everybody here we are honoring our contracts so we have to honor our contracts of course in some of the other countries it's more difficult contract is worth nothing but I think in the big leagues in Europe or in the very well structured countries uh, players getting paid the contract gets honored and all that football business is, is, is I think I think very straightforward. Mm. Unless in some of, uh, or unlike in a few of the clubs you've been playing for, it's not always been straightforward in your career. Lots. I'm like, that's okay. You could say that. Yeah, I mean, I played in countries where some people don't even want to travel for a for a holiday. You know, <laughs> so it's a, it's a different kind of way of looking at things. But I, uh, for me, I had like this really different motivation. I was not. I never motivated by financial things because I I usually decided for the if I had a good offer, a very good offer and a normal offer, I didn't look at the money. I looked at the place where I want to go. Mm. I looked at the club. I looked at something which kind of like interests me. So it was more like a feeling of the stomach. I went for not the one in the brain. I, I had this one situation I remember very well, 2006. Uh, yeah, yeah, two six, I think. Uh, I had an offer from Steaua Bucharest, which was quite a good structure club, you know, oh. a, a big name. Then Vlasnia Škodra from Albania, which was, well, I didn't know much about them except that they played Euroleague qualification and stuff like that. And I had an offer from a championship team in England. But I knew in England I will end up sitting on the bench because I know the other goalkeeper and he was better than I was, at least <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. Uh, Bucharest was something which yeah, I could imagine but this kind of Albanian thing it just fascinated me because uh, you know it was like this kind of thing something secretive about it nobody knew where you're going and um, yeah I mean it wasn't all great there 
but I would do it again. You would do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you play for them? Yeah, I played there for for a season. Mm. Um, I mean, when the, the issue was, you know, we also had a German coach, which made it easier for me to go there, and uh, everything went out very well till uh, till actually the coach got fired. Mm. And they got an Albanian coach, and he wanted to get rid of all the guys that the old coach brought, like it is in football. Mm. And then it's normally like we say now in Norway or in Germany, that you know they would say, "Okay, you have six months left. Let's make a deal." And the way <laughs> the way I negotiated <laughs> my release was actually quite unique yeah. because the the president uh, sat down and said in a very strong accent, "Let's negotiate." <laughs> put a gun <laughs> on the table. He put a gun on the table. <laughs> yeah, uh, and 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 I, uh, but you know, you know, I mean, uh, you have to go back. A gun, a gun doesn't really scare me, right? So uh, I used to be you from all the Singapore situation where we probably we're going to talk we, about we, that. We soon. come there, but just for them to understand, it wasn't like he didn't really. You know, I said, "Come on, mate, you won't shoot me anyway." <laughs> so uh, let's let's just talk straight here. And I really managed that. It was a long way. We, three weeks we negotiated. Oh, okay. The gun was only there one time, though. Yeah, okay. But he didn't carry it with yeah. him. And in the end of the day, I really got what I wanted. Hmm. Uh, and he actually said it was a very kind of like, yeah, he said it was a charming way of negotiating. Because <laughs> I just didn't listen to what he said. <laughs> and I, wa- I got what I wanted. But I think you have to be a bit crazy and a bit stubborn if you want to succeed or survive in that kind of football there. Then you need to you need to have a, a clear mind. Otherwise... You know they will play tricks with you, and 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 you end up yeah. leaving with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would uh, you recommend uh, Norwegians going to that specific club? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> funny enough, funny <laughs> enough, funny enough. I had a, you know, I'm very very close friends with uh, Peter Rinkovic, yeah. former striker. I actually still a striker playing now for Arendal, and he he was in my opinion when it comes simply to goal scoring one of the best in Norway. But uh, he just had sometimes maybe I would call it a bad luck with decisions who he played for. And uh, I actually got him there for a few days to train and he was about to sign there um, because it was a, they always played EuroLeague, they played decent football, you know, it was, uh, well, it was not a nice stadium, but it was always full. And I thought in this league, uh, Peter, his background is Montenegrin, very close to the borderline there, but a complete different kind of, completely different people, Montenegrins <laughs> and, and Albanians. And uh, I think he would have done very well there. But in the end, he decided not to not to sign. And, and I think he signed for Stremskoset or for Mündalen by then, mm. which was probably the better decision. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're in, uh, can I just ask that uh, now, you're in Oslo now, and uh, you're looking at some uh, Norwegian games. Are you interested yeah. in Norwegian? No, well, we just signed uh, Robert Nordweit. Yeah. You know, so, um, but no, it's not that I'm like, uh, really like looking now directly at a certain player. Um, it was also before the Liverpool game now on Tuesday. I just wanted to get, I get a bit chased by the media until you guys found me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I thought like, well, I'm, I'm coming over here. I'm going to meet a few of the coaches uh, from the national team, like Gunnar Halle, Elan hmm. uh, Jonsson, uh, all that kind of like my generation to talk about a few of the youngsters. And at the same time, I'm going to watch two or three Tippeliga games. So that's why I, I use the time in Oslo quite, uh, I would say quite well to to really have... Uh, my kind of tact, which is 
24 hours full speed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, you know, I always like to come back to Oslo, to be honest. Because uh, you've been playing in Bærum, uh, Mangelrustar, um, and other places in, in, uh, in Norway. But uh, just, you mentioned Håvard uh, Nordtveit, how's he doing? Yeah, good. I mean, you know, he was he's a very well-respected player in Germany because he had a great time in, in Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, and when he when he went to West Ham, I mean, to go from the Bundesliga to the Premier League is somehow always is seemed to be the next step up. Maybe uh, I think it's always, especially in Norway, the, the the Premier League is the most watched league. Everybody loves the Premier League. So I think for him, after being educated in in Arsenal, to play again in the Premier League was that what he also desired, which is probably everybody does. And um, yeah, I mean, for, for us, when we realized that there is the possibility to, to get him to Offenheim, you know, and we spoke with Jim Solbach and his agent, and in the end, we are actually, we were very, very happy because he, I think, was that little piece in, our, in the puzzle, which was still missing to have a very experienced uh, player. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a real leader on the field, but also a very, very nice person off the field. So uh, somebody which I think not just to be important to have him there, as a footballer, but also in the changing room, he knows how to. He's very experienced, uh, and uh, but I think, guy. yeah, and I also think you know for for us, for our team, uh, when we bring in foreign players like Scandinavians in general, we had like uh, Vestergaard or Elionusi, uh, many many Scandinavian players in the past, and it always worked out quite well. So I think for him to to adjust again from the Premier League to the German League is nothing because he he played in Gladbach for so long and so successful that yeah he definitely is a, a very important player for us uh, you spoke about the gun in Albania and then you mentioned just quickly the the Malaysia uh, Singapore situation uh, for for our listeners who don't quite understand what you're talking about what was that you know, it's probably the thing I'm <laughs> most famous for, uh, but uh, obviously it's the darkest hours of my life, you know, but they made me also into uh, probably into a different person. Let's put it this way. Well, just to try to make it short. Uh, well, um, where were you? Which club? Yeah, I played for Geylang United, but this E, not this A. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it around was like the a millennium. Uh, yeah, yeah, 99. And it was really, it was a top team there, you know, really winning titles. And it was also like uh, just a, by then a booming league, financially very interesting with lots of uh, links to the English Premier League through club corporations and lots of players came down there at this time. And things went very, very well. And I literally, I got asked by a by a golfer. Sounds a bit funny, but he was a golfer. <laughs> he asked me three times in my life, he asked me, hey, next week you play against this and this team, what do you think will happen? And I always said, yeah, we're in good shape, we're going to win. Uh, two times we did win against lower teams. One time we drew and I was man of the match. And uh, six months later, I was actually beaten up by the police force uh, uh, in regards to match fixing or corruption cases and uh, I didn't know really what, what happened to me uh, well in the end it turned out that um, the guy testified against me that I gave him an advice uh, to bet on games which was a load of shit to be honest um, I went to court uh, and I obviously I told I had no reason not to tell the truth I said yes I know this guy I mean I don't know his name but he spoke with me and I, he, uh, he asked me the questions I gave him that answer and uh, well he basically just added this one sentence that if it's basically if he would place a bet for us to win that he would pass me some bonus i would apparently i would have said yes which he never asked me that question 
strange enough, whatever I just said, we did win the games. And, uh, you know, these games were analyzed in court 100,000 times and I, I did not make any mistakes. <laughs> What still doesn't make me uh, till today gives me sleepless nights that a 28-year-old female judge who doesn't know that the football is round said to me, you going to prison because you played better than usual. <laughs> and, and, and this thing, it still really makes me angry now because if, if as a goalkeeper you lose a game and you throw three balls into your own goal and it's obviously that there is something happening, then they can, they can try to judge, you, uh, to judge you in court. But to have the cheek to say that you played better than usual, I mean, you know, it's, it's just not just to go for prison for that, that's <laughs> on a different planet anyway, but it's very <laughs> insulting to a player when you're doing your job and you playing a clean sheet, you win 2-0, we do nothing wrong, and you're ending up... And you were playing too well. Too well. Mm -hmm. And then you end up in a prison, which is still considered today one of the hardest prisons in the world. Death penalty, caning, uh, you're in a cell with 12 hardened criminals who basically getting hung in a few weeks. They are murderers, drug dealers, rapists, so all the... All the basically the, 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 the really bad guys, they were like uh, sleeping next to me and he asked, why are you here for? Well, I, I, killed, I killed three people and why are you here? Yeah, I played too well. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, um, it's just, it was very, uh, it's still very difficult to get over that. Mm. However, you know, um, one thing which is very important that I don't have a criminal record, so the, the International Court of Law, They looked at this charge and they were like saying, well, what is that? So they threw it out. Mm -hmm. So I managed to, after that, I still got my work permits in the States or in Australia, in New Zealand. So I was, I'm basically just to have a clean police record as hopefully you two have. <laughs> uh, but just to... I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just to spend 101 days in such a, a, a shithole where you're basically lying on the floor, you have no toilet paper, you have no toilet, just a hole... Uh, you have hardly anything to eat and you get every day punched in the face. You had to fight not to get raped. You had to fight to eat, you know. And for all that, that somebody asks you if you're going to win the next game, it's, uh, it's a bit, <laughs> for me, it's a bit too much. Yep. It's a bit too much. I, uh, <coughs> I, I can see that. Uh, did it change you? Yes, it changed me How? a lot because I used to be, I put it now, I try to put it in a, in a, in a slight uh, entertaining way. I used to be a typical footballer from my mind. I mean, I, I had a very good education as a child, thanks to my parents. But once you're getting drawn into that circles, you basically uh, become a little bit lighter in your head, I would call it. So for me, it was important. Uh, women, cars, how expensive is my shoe or my belt? You know, really these really unimportant things. So I think I was slightly a slightly arrogant ass at uh, at my high point and once that happened to me it just put everything in relation i realized that that the small things like family like having friends like trusting people like actually be free to go to a supermarket and buy an orange juice that these things are much more important than if your car costs 30000 euros more or less mm. that you do you sometimes do you sometimes have to tell younger players that well, lots of guys uh, in by now lots of players in germany they read my book yeah okay. and my book actually really focuses in one chapter on that kind of transaction from from being that kind of like 
wannabe footballer uh, to to living it large and 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 try to be cool to uh, uh, realizing that that life is much more i mean football is still plays the most important part in my life now and it always will but it puts everything in in relation that uh, you know uh, i mean it it just just as an example what 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 it have done to me um when i saw an advertisement of uh, poor people in Africa or in Asia uh, I looked at it I uh, maybe I donated 10 euros and 10 seconds later my my mind was uh, gone and thinking again where should I go for dinner tonight um, once this thing happened to me I started to focus on other things now I have one of the biggest charities in the world when it comes to where football is involved where I have uh, four or five thousand kids in Africa which getting everyday food uh, drink having the school the teachers which is all paid by my charity so this is kind of things where i think i'm i was so lucky all my life to actually be well well to be able to be a footballer to get paid for my hobby to be paid for that what other people millions of people love to do and i love mm. as well to do and uh, i managed to pull myself out of the shit after after singapore to go back on my feet and uh, still play for another 10 years now being able to work for a Bundesliga club in a good position and, and I can now give that little bit of uh, luck I had I can give it back to, to poor people in Africa What's the name of the charity? Global United FC uh, which is you know by now over 500 players I mean when it comes to Norway I think I can probably everybody in Norway is involved uh, <laughs> like Gunnar Halle Jana Gefjertoft uh, uh, be many many players from that well I would say my generation our generation um, yeah. they are they are involved in that and they're coming with me sometimes to Africa they support it and it's actually beautiful to see but we also have Carlos Valderrama uh, Zico Rivaldo Lota Mateus uh, you know like well 500 I would say legends but also player who who were normal like uh, like I consider myself who played well a few years at decent level but also at, at normal level they also support it so it's a good community of, 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 of former pros and actually current pros who really uh, uh, um, realize that uh, we can make a little bit of a difference by by doing something for for that the charity is based on on environmental issues on climate change and that especially in Africa where we also, of course, support HIV uh, and, well, we not support, we fight against <laughs> HIV, yeah. uh, where we also uh, support soup kitchens and, 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 and HIV clinics and things like that. So it's, it's quite a, a, big, a big challenge. I try to go down. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. 
Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. On there two, three times a year. Uh, we're having every year one big event where we're playing actually in Africa against this uh, some local teams and, and raising the awareness, but also raising money. And that's one of, I would say, you know, uh, it's like, I'm really passionate about it. I see that it works well. I put lots of work in it. And um, I think without my club Hoffenheim and without the owner of Hoffenheim, Dietmar Hopp, which supports me in this project uh, a lot financially and also mentally, uh, it wouldn't be able to to really uh, do it the way we do it. Because hmm. uh, f- you had a few tough years. Uh these big stories about you it, it's the one in, in with the 101 days in in prison but also a few years after that you well you died yeah I died a bit yeah yeah you know it happens yeah. I died a bit yeah. no it was uh, also uh, you know it was these two years where everything kind of like all the bad things came together Hmm. And uh, just when I got back onto my feet, I played a season in New Zealand and I only came back to England to spend a bit of time with my family and Trevor Stoughton, former Liverpool player who unfortunately passed away a few years ago, um, was manager of Brevard Park Avenue in the, in the Unibond League. And I just wanted to help him out to play a few games. And we had this uh, game on Boxing Day, stadium full, you know, it's Boxing Day is like... Like in Norway, the national day, everybody is not with flags on the street, but <laughs> but at least in the stadium and celebrates. It's Christmas. It's like yeah, it's like it's like the most important part of Christmas for mm. many English mm. people. And um, yeah, um, there was a player called Clayton Donaldson, which mm. you all know from Hull City and from yeah. Birmingham, and he was really he was as fast as as lightning, and, uh, faster than me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and he was this fifty-fifty ball, and unfortunately, he tried to jump over me. He kind of like tripped himself. He fell with his knee into my sternum, and it was one of these freak injuries where uh, my upper body, all the system broke down, my lungs collapsed, my heart stopped beating, so I was gone. And only the with the luck, the, the physio kind of like brought me three times back to life before the ambulance finally arrived. Actually, made me. Uh, 
maybe well that I still be able to sit here. It was like a thirty percent chance that I will be dead, thirty percent that I will have some some bad brain damage, and the other thirty percent was that I end up quite normal. <laughs> so some people say it's a mix between two and three. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a bad joke. Uh, so I think I was really really lucky. Yeah. Um, and. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it, it like this kind of like uh, uh, near-death experience where uh, I don't remember too much what happened on the field, but I had this kind of like lights and all what people, some people describe. I had a similar experience waking up then in the hospital and realize you just basically were already on the other side, but now you have the, the luck and the pleasure to to grace the world again <laughs> for, a, for a few more adventures. Uh, I was really, really thankful for that. How long were you were you out? Well, I was, I mean, on the field, the whole situation took around uh, 15, 20 minutes, but uh, I was around, I think, uh, 12 to 15 minutes dead. Hmm. And then I was for another hour in the coma, but I woke up then in the in the hospital. And once the, the ambulance had me, basically my brain was again, uh, oxygen got to my brain and to my cells again. So I, I slowly kind of like my system was kickstarted again. Uh, but you know, it, it took me actually. My the reaction I had to this situation was quite, quite special. I would say I'm. I'm st I still believe I did the right thing. Uh, but because when I woke up, I, I was in the hospital. I didn't see clear. I was everything was blur, and they strapped me on this board because they didn't really know if I broke something in the back or whatever. And my first thought was I was paralyzed. But once these nurses told me that I'm not. I basically started to scream, get me off the board, I need to go back on the field, we are 2-0 up. <laughs> <laughs> and only then, slowly, I realized that the game was actually cancelled, which never really happens in England, except something really bad is going on. And then s that, that kind of like, uh, you know, made me, made me already, of course, quite, quite nervous. So for me, my, the first thing I did, um, actually seven days later, I played again. Seven days? Which was... Uh, which was Everybody, even the fans from the club said it was very, very irresponsible towards my family. But I had, you know, I mean, you are Norwegians, you understand. When a ski jumper badly falls, mm. he tries to get on his feet as quick as possible, even if he's bruised and stitched and wants to jump again. Get back on the horse. Lose the fear. Mm. And it was for me the same thing. I said I was always very, like, physical and, you know, threw my body in front of people's feet. That was my kind of playing style. I said, if I don't get on the field as quick as possible and I have a month to think, I will not be the same anymore. I can quit. So I, I really forced my way back. And when I uh, appeared on that game day, a match day, and I said to the coach, said, oh, you're here to visit? I'm like, no, no, I'm here. It's the bag. I'm going to play. And uh, yeah, I mean, it worked out, you know. But I, was I, it a bad idea? Was it safe? Uh, no, in hindsight, what do you It say? was safe. Uh, I mean, uh, well, safe. What is safe these days? Uh, you know, I mean, of course. <laughs> well, what did the doctor say? Well, the doctor said I'm crazy. Uh, but I, I, I didn't think there was any immediate danger that I would. Why? Why? why what, what could happen? I mean, I what, what did the doctor say? Well, he won't hit me again in the same spot, right? So, uh, <laughs> no. I mean, no. So I just decided that it's, it's, I can play. It is safe to play. And I had a similar situation after 10 minutes. I did the same thing again. I got the ball and then my fear was gone. And what is the, really the foot, you know, foot is a, a word in German. It's called Fußballromantiker, like the football romantic mm -hmm. people. For me, whenever I go to Bradford and sometimes I do to watch a game there, 
uh, it's like always the, the, the speaker he always says <laughs> now the man who died for our club <laughs> he is coming and all the old guys who still remember they're all standing up and it is a very very uh, sentimental uh, uh, kind of <laughs> moment for me as well yeah. uh, but uh. when things couldn't get any worse you came to Badum it's <laughs> uh. a bad thing to say yeah, I know <laughs> but, but why 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 Badum uh, is it just the Albania Singapore Malaysia story all over again you, know, you wanted some safety no, for me no for me actually I always um, wanted to play in Scandinavia <coughs> Badum by then was uh, um, you know in the first division and it was a, a very well organized club the coach was Trune Skulderud which uh, in, well, we are still friends till today I still believe that he is a uh, an excellent coach you know I mean when when by then he was also really really young 2003 mm. it's a few years later now mm. uh, I saw that he's was he gray already I just want to say I see that he was uh, had a lot of stress the last few years <laughs> because he's very gray yeah. he wasn't gray by then no and um, I really enjoyed my time in Norway you know it was uh, uh, like uh, like I wanted to get some games under the belt and um, yeah from there I had my career would have been completely different if the thing would have happened what was supposed to happen because I had for a goalkeeper in a team which was struggling uh, a lot of work and uh, for example in VG mm. they, they thought I was really good <laughs> 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 um, yeah in the end of the day I got after the season I got really lots of offers uh, from uh, Tipperliga clubs and also from some of the rich first division clubs and um, my agent uh, by then was a was a dickhead you know? okay yeah uh, because he a Norwegian or uh, I don't want to okay talk yeah. about him <laughs> okay <laughs> just let's call him Mr. Dickhead yeah yeah, yeah yeah and he was negotiating with clubs in Norway mm. like I was an English Premier League goalkeeper so in the end of the day I had six seven options and from month to month or week to week they got less and less and uh, in the end of the day, the last option I had was to go to Hönnefoss, okay. which was by then, though, in the first division, the team with good financial backing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wanted to play higher up. So I decided to uh, to go somewhere else. And then I ended up actually <laughs> going from Barum on a very short term contract to Milan. <laughs> Which, which is like uh, which is a step up <laughs> which is, yeah but they, but they but don't deal with each other that much yeah but the, but the funny part is the way it happened was like you know it's just it's just <laughs> very weird there, were, there was a player um, called Nikrios Haugen yeah, yeah. Nikrios Haugen yeah. Yeah. and Nikrios Haugen was 2003 with 16 or 17 years the guy was I mean I, I saw lots of talented players but he was very special yeah and he was really scouted by lots of scouts from all over all over Europe because mm. he just he was a six year old boy which was unbelievable fast in the in Norwegian first division which was very physical and he 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 did a great job so lots of teams were looking at things and there was a scout from Milan who saw me playing three times or two times and I was two times quite good and I well I mean I had already some English Premier League teams on my CV and stuff like that so it so it you know, I wasn't like uh, like already in a decent age and not not like uh, not known at all so um, when there was Dida and Abiati, both of them were, uh, Dida was fit, Abiati had always problems. So they said, well, we sign you on a non-contract, just on a week to week, basically. You're training with the, with the reserves or sometimes with the first team. And if Abiati doesn't get fit and you train well, maybe we get you in. And if not, 
well, you know, we we I, I basically get nothing to do after the, after the season in Barum was finished, <laughs> um, and I it was it was a great experience in Milanello, and in the end of the day, there was uh, they had like some kind of farm club in uh, in, in in Canada who played in the American League, and then um, after uh, Abiati got fit again, they actually helped me to organize a quite a good deal in in, in Calgary, so I went. From Barum, <laughs> from Sandvika, <laughs> via Milanello, directly into Calgary, where it was minus 42 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, uh, hello, Alta. You know, <laughs> okay. it was very, 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 <laughs> very cold, cold as well. I and remember Alta, yeah, yeah. that makes an impression on people. Um, but you have some uh, different clubs as well on your CV that not that many people uh, have, like Bentonit Ijevan. Uh, Ijevan, yeah. I was Ijevan. like player manager there in a club in Armenia. Yeah. Uh, which I also like a completely screwed up story. You know, I was supposed to sign for Punic, which is the big club there, yeah. champion. Um, and then there was some, a guy who looked a bit like you actually. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, he came and Bald said. Bald and the uh, beard. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he said, well, I'm, you know, I'm an uh, Armenian millionaire. I'm having some of this and that. And I want to buy my own club, build my own club. And I have the license for a club to play here, which he did. And he basically gave me the club. He says, like, buy as many foreigners and what you want. So I just took everybody you can imagine. Argentinians, Mexicans, Croatians. <laughs> um, the only thing that was missing was a guy from Alta. <laughs> so so I really had a, had a good team and we, we won everything. I was player manager. And um, after three and a half months, uh, the guy didn't pick up the phone anymore. The bank account was empty. So as quick as the club appeared, as quick he disappeared. <laughs> and it was it was actually a, it was a fantastic way to learn what I'm doing now, because yeah. I I was still quite young, more like a player's head, and I needed to try to find the right mixture, speak with lots of people to see who I can get on a loan deal and stuff like that, and it was um yeah it was like uh, you know it was like I would say it was a, a beautiful nightmare, because it was I learned a lot it was special, mm. but the way it ended was very sad. And guess where I went from there? Back to Barum. Back to Barum, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, with Barum, it is more, Barum is for me like, a, a, it is a big place in my heart. It's a bit like a family club, you know, it's very good youth system. Everybody knows everybody. The area, you know, down there in Sandvika, it's, it's a lovely place, lovely people. And it's just, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm 85, and I can't walk anymore, and Barum will call and say, please, we have an injured goalkeeper, play one game. <laughs> I would actually jump in my canoe, I would come up, and I would <laughs> play, because it's like something where I have this special connection and that special feeling too. Hmm. I don't know many Germans who's, who do <laughs> have those feelings. We have a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> Never met a German in the canoe. Uh, but you've been coaching in Cuba, and uh, you lived in, uh, was it Windhoek in Namibia? Yeah. Um, do you miss traveling? Uh, yeah, you know, and I'm, living I'm, and living places. Yeah, I'm still traveling a lot, yeah. but uh, of course it have changed a lot now because before I stayed like in Windhoek one and a half years, I also became national coach there. Uh, after a while, uh, like uh, Cuba was more in and out, but uh, yeah, this kind of like being somewhere for a year or for six months or for the season, New Zealand, I was six times for six months, <laughs> but never in a row <laughs> uh, because of the short season. Uh, yeah, it is a different way of of traveling because you are automatically 
involved in the normal kind of life. You're not like like a tourist who travels there for a few days and then goes again. So now it is more that I'm like no here for five days, here for three days. So it's it has changed a bit. But to be fair, um, I think I did find my 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 way now. I I'm very happy with that what I'm doing. So this kind of mix between sitting in the office in the tracksuit, but also flying to watch a Premier League game or selling a player with a suit on and three days later do a television show as an expert, which I do a lot. Uh, it's like a mixture which kind of like really fulfills my, my way of uh, how I like my life to be. And now I settled down now in Frankfurt, which is, um, well, a place I, I, I mean, I'm not the biggest friend of living in Germany. I am honest about that, but I, I, I learned it again. You know, it took some time to get used to the lifestyle there. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I found my way now the way I the way I enjoy and um, yeah, that's uh, I think it's all good. I you j- you just m- remember uh, mentioned uh, when uh, we we got the coffee uh, that you uh, <laughs> you thought that was Norwegian coffee was pretty strong, uh, but you also mentioned that you had Bur- Burundian coffee when you were from Burundi. Yeah. Um, how how many countries have you been to? Do you know? Yeah, actually, um, if you would go on my Facebook page, I counted them a few months ago, (laughs) a few weeks ago, and I think it was quite a lot, but there is still a lot of missing because there is some places where we never will get to. Yeah, yeah, but when you talk about I just have I just look at my beautiful (laughs) cup of Norwegian coffee in front of me. I don't understand how you guys actually can drink that because (laughs) you get blind. You know, it is so strong and kind of like sour. <laughs> Put a little bit of milk on it, maybe a little bit of sugar, and then, but it's really strong. Yeah, um, kind of. Yeah. I, I like it. <laughs> I, I can see. Yeah, but not very well. <laughs> 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 no, that's true. But you, it, it, I don't, I've never drunk coffee. You say it's stronger than espresso? Is it, but how, it is, is, it is it just it is, like it is, it is, acid? Your, your coffee is like acid, it's sour. You know, I mean, if you put it in somebody's face, he probably, <laughs> probably can play in a horror movie. I don't know. It's just very strong. It sounds, it sounds unique, but I like it. I mean, it's I, I, I got used to it. I remember in Barum again the mm. first time, I drank this coffee. I, I used to be like, I didn't drink coffee at all, and then I had this coffee, and it really kind of like <laughs> energized me. I was like, wow, <laughs> my God, what's going on now? <laughs> so yeah, I, it's like one of the things which I really, when I, you know. When I come come to Norway, that cup of coffee excites me. Uh, another <laughs> thing, another thing, which is uh, you will think now I'm like a little kid. Uh, there is when I arrive at Gardemon, you know what is the first thing I do? You uh, the hot dog, Norwegian chocolate. No, the hot dog I get a bit later. Chocolate, I'm not so much into it. You know there is this Swedish candies, Billa. Ah, uh-huh, Biller, Biller. I, uh-huh. I eat one packet within like 30 seconds <laughs> and I wash it down with this villa, this drink. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like a little child, but this is for me Norway. This is the things <laughs> I have in my mind. And then afterwards it's the hot dog and then then I'm then, <laughs> then I'm, you're back then home. I'm, then, I'm, then I'm ready, then I'm ready to do my work. <laughs> like a little baby on the train. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I went on your Facebook. You've been to 145 uh, countries. Of how many? That's uh, when y- they uh, say that it's 250. So yeah. they, they uh, yeah. include quite a number of uh, territories, I guess. Yeah. But still, it's quite a quite a lot. It's quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, will uh, Will you cross the 200 line? You know, I'm not too sure because I think these countries where I was, that is the ones where uh, where you have on the on the football map. Mm-hmm. So these kind of smaller countries, which I haven't been. I don't think necessarily I will go to St. Kitts and Vincent to to find a footballer. No. So I 
I mean, obviously, I will still go to two or three, which are missing, <laughs> but uh, would be another world record if you probably make all <laughs> of 200, 250. Yeah. Uh, Norwegians are always complaining about Norwegian football. Mm-hmm. Uh, always it's always everything's wrong all the time mm-hmm. uh, but if you've lived here and now you're visiting and you've got a big job in Hoftheim do you agree with Norwegian saying uh, everything is wrong with Norwegian football or can you give some comfort no I don't agree at all you know I think um, Norwegians watching too much Premier League mm. so you see the best of the best then you obviously compare it to Sandefjord's Songdal then it's not as fast anymore as Manchester United. It, uh, but that's very normal. Mm. Um, I didn't say now that these two teams playing bad football. I no. just want to want to <laughs> give, well, an this e- give an example. One of the games you saw yeah. on Friday. Yeah. 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 Um, but how do I say? I think uh, that uh, these players, this big amount of top players you had in the 90s, mm. Grodas, Halle, Bjarneby, of all these, you know, Brechtal, Solskjaer, Henningberg. I would say 25 of them mm-hmm. who made their career in England and Germany all over the world and they were outstanding. Uh, that kind of generation is not there right now. But you still have very good players. You still have, I, I look now at the team of Gunnar Halle, this uh, uh, 2001 born, you know, and there is good players. They just won a tournament in Iceland. There is some talents. So I just think it's... Uh, the, Looking at the game Norway-Germany mm. a few months ago, well, let's say it wasn't really looking like uh, Norway could do it big. But now with Lagerbeck coming in, uh, uh, kind of like just changing things again, I think uh, there is there is again the way forward. But I just really think that at the moment, this generation who is playing right now, there is not that many top, top, top players as there used to be. Mm. But in the future, it will come. I also lots of Norwegians say we don't have good coaches. I don't I don't agree with that at all because you do have a very very talented coaches. You have intelligent coaches. I think that uh, Per Martias Hømme is a, is a, was a very good coach. He just uh, had not a good run with the national team. Um, I you know I think that the financial situation in Norwegian football has changed a bit as well. If I look back at the time when Jan Age was uh, sports director in Lillestrøm, the, the players who were playing in Norway by then were just simply better. When I look back to uh, the Swedish striker from Starbeck, Daniel Nonskog, that was that was exciting players. Alan Zino from from Starbeck. That was the time when I was here. That were players who were like you know very very interesting. But I also what I also at the moment see a development at the moment in Norway is that every team has two three African players. Some of these African players are really really good. Like they're really impressive. They're very young. Other ones I think are not as good and it would be maybe better if you having given Norwegian talent this position mm. so uh, it's just to find find the right mixture but I mean as you hear I'm maybe not as critical as I as maybe I should be it's just simply because I like Norway <laughs> I like the clubs I know mo- ma- many managers I know many coaches and I see that they're working hard and they, they're doing well and um, look for example now at, 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 at Sandefjord with, with Lars Boinen I think they, they they're doing fantastic. Uh, looking at the financial situation they have, what what budget they have compared to Germany, for example, looking the way they play football, I think it's I think it's uh, it's good. What's Sarsborg? 
Sarp Sog, say on. Same. I mean, very, they're working very, very consistent. Mm. Uh, resigning, now, I think, five-year contracts with everybody at the club. They chose that they want to work continuously with a, with a clear structure, with a clear system. That's very good. Looking, I mean, for example, sticking a Bionabi now up in Rosenborg, I mean, they, that's just a good team. You know, I mean, it was unlucky. How unlucky is it to get drawn against Ajax? How unlucky was it to get drawn against Celtic? And they nearly did it. So it's not, not everything is bad. It's just sometimes you in need a bit of change in time and it will work again. In a small country, you, you need the generation to be yeah. To be good. Uh, you've been all over the place for many years. Uh, six months in this place and that place. Seven years in uh, in Hoffenheim. Will you stay there forever? <laughs> Is this it? Is this it for Lutz van Stiel? Well, I have uh, I have a, a long-term contract. And my contract is still for a few years to go. And uh, I really... I mean, of course, sometimes you get that kind of tickle in your feet. You know, I had an offer a few years ago, actually two years ago from... Um, a club in Saudi Arabia to coach them, hmm. uh, an offer from an African national team to coach them. And of course, you do think for a few seconds. But um, now being settled, you know, also with the family there, daughter is in university. Um, It is kind of nice. My dog, I have, I have a dog which which I love like uh, like a human. <laughs> you know, so all these kind of things which I didn't know before, <laughs> they slowly coming into my uh, They're growing into my life. So you never say never, but at this moment in time, I really don't have any kind of thought. Uh, I, do, I don't, um, I'm not looking for change. Before, I was always looking, you know, I was looking for it. Mm. I always had the feeling when I played in New Zealand, I wanted to play in a better league. When I went to England and I didn't play, I wanted to play in a smaller league to play. So I couldn't make up my mind what I want to do. <laughs> and that's when you have that kind of mindset, then you start to, to jump Now it's all a bit more settled. As I said, I also work a lot on my television career um, in Germany or also with BBC, which I enjoy a lot. So right now, no, I do, wouldn't change a lot. You're happy. I'm happy, yeah. But I was always happy. <laughs> <laughs> you have always maybe been happy every time we met you yeah. for the last maybe, 15 years. Yeah, maybe, you always been happy. maybe in prison, there was a few days when <laughs> I wasn't too happy. But a few hours when you were in the coma yeah. and, yeah. and died, that was a few bad hours. Uh, Lutz, you're, uh, yeah, you're going to hang out with the Turugl Skilder, so we have to let you go. Yes, yeah. uh, he just actually just called me this second and probably get pissed off that I didn't yeah. answer my phone <laughs> yeah. but I say it was your fault yeah, 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 blame, yeah blame, blame us blame us no, no worries <laughs> and he'll understand last time we met him he had a terrible flu uh, oh yeah that's in uh, Drammen in Drammen mm. uh, it, he, he was even greyer I was there yesterday I mean uh, yeah was, um, <laughs> you know I actually enjoyed the game it was a good atmosphere it was a good atmosphere uh, um, Lutz thank you uh, Thomas we are ready for today we are back next week we selvfølgelig er vi det ja. jeg er ikke idioter heller men da, vi kan ikke love at uh, neste ukes gjest har død eller sitter i et uh, fengsel i Singapore nej vi skal prøve vi skal prøve ja. ha det ha det I'm sitting here in front of the Eiffel Tower. What a magic. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.